The church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable, right? That's our study in the book of Acts. We've been on that for a while. This is, like Brent said, the last message in this third uh, part of Acts where we've been studying the power of making disciples. And uh, as I rolled up to this passage uh, last summer and as I rolled up to this passage earlier this year, uh, is like, what in the world are we talking about Eutychus and, you know, this, these elders and Ephesian elders and like, what, what, what is Luke, what is he even doing, right? Like, what is this all about? And uh, I got to tell you, man, I think Luke was just like, wow, like, I can't, I can't keep this out of the Bible. I can't, I can't keep this. I think the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write this because it was like, you need to know this. This is a memorable moment in making disciples. So um, just to start, though, I thought maybe we could just get into your life, into my life a little bit. Uh, you ever had a memorable moment in making disciples or in being made into a disciple? Remember back? I mean, you were born. You don't remember that, but your mom does. And that's a memorable moment for sure. And uh, you should never forget that. But you've journeyed through life now, this journey with Jesus, as we called it a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, it's a journey of discipleship. It's a journey of making disciples. It's uh, following and being followed as I imitate Christ. So do you have any moments like that? I, I was just thinking through my life just briefly. And, you know, not all of those moments are, are like what I want to remember. <laughs> you know, like I can think of at least three moments that are like seared on my heart that I don't, want, I don't really want to remember, right? Seeing pornography at age five, okay? Don't want to remember that. That changed my life forever, okay? Um, sixth grade, church split. Mm, no, don't, don't like that. And... And then when I was in high school, my youth pastor ran off, uh, left his wife, ran off with his girlfriend. Like, memorable moments in the life of, of this man in, in his discipleship, but not really fond, right? But then there were some fond memories, right? Like, I'm sure you have some like, oh, man, that's not a great memory in, in my following Christ. That was a really hard spot. Or that, why did God even do that? Well, he's using it. But here's some other uh, moments. Um, January 15th, 1992, the day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, the day that I knew I was a sinner and I needed to repent of my sin, okay, repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ, who's the payment for sin, right? He died on the cross for me. And that day, and then a calling on my life uh, to something, I don't know, love and lead the people of Rochester, I don't, like, whatever, a ministry calling, we'll call it, uh, a memorable day, I'll never forget it. I mean, there's so many things I could say right there. You got, you got days like that? I remember uh, the first time um, it w- I was in college, and I went to Promise Keepers, 66,000 men in uh, the Metrodome, which doesn't exist anymore, but the moment is seared on my soul, right? Like, I will never forget the moment that I first worshipped in spirit and in truth, Right? It wasn't like this head up worship, it was like whole body worship, and I was all in. So grateful my brother John and Chuck, my cousin, took me to that, and I got to experience that. That's a, that's a memorable moment in, in making a disciple. 
There were times that I listened to the word, James, Ron. There were times where I fasted and prayed uh, for direction. And those moments I'll never forget. I'll never forget the time in October 2005 when I confessed, I, and I've said this many times, confessed pornography to my wife, devastated our family, got out of ministry. We'll never forget that. I'll also never forget January 15th, 2006, the day I submitted to Christ, right, in believer's baptism, obedience. It's like, I need to be baptized. <laughs> These are memorable moments. Any memorable people in your life? Man, Mrs. Armour, Mrs. Edie, like, I mean, Jerry Daniels. I mean, I got my mom and dad, for crying out loud. I mean, to get so many people in my life, it was just poured in. But this one guy, I would not be here today without this one guy, Mike Clancy. Like, just poured into me, discipled me, loved me, taught me what it meant to be a pastor and a senior pastor and a church planter. And I'm so grateful for Mike Clancy. Who are you grateful for? What memorable moment do you have? And then there's the moments where you're pouring into other people, right? And there's memorable moments about that. You have some? Did you write some down? Ah, you're just listening to my stories, huh? (laughs) Well, that's not the intention. It's not all about me. This message is about you. And I hope and I pray that you've had a memorable moment with Jesus Christ the day you got saved, the day you got baptized, maybe a day that you made a great decision. I'll never forget in the life of our church, I think it was April 2012. I think it was like the first April, the first Easter kind of time we ever had. I think it might have been April 2nd, actually. I I don't know for sure, but I think it might, but I'll never forget this. (laughs) Jonathan Harris, first one to stand up and say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I had given an invitation for people just to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And he got saved that day. And then another and another and another. There's 18 people that got saved in our service that day that stood up and publicly proclaimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Never forget that day. It was astounding. Baptism services we've had, every one of them just like, mm, yes, right? Remember when we were in, I think it was Ezra, and uh, we asked people to come down. We did this Daniel fast when we were in Ezra, 10 days. You won't forget that. And then we asked people to come down and repent. And then last two weeks ago, that was pretty memorable when we had people confessing their sins to one another. And there's all these memorable moments. Are you getting the idea? Have you written anything down? Do you have something in your head? Have you captured? It, w- it should come quickly, right? Well, in Acts chapter 20, open your Bible to Acts 20. Uh, you see two memorable moments captured by Luke, and they are astounding, jaw-dropping, like, wow. <laughs> you don't want to forget this one. This one's crazy. The first one is this, the longest message ever, and I'm not talking about mine. I think I might be uh, at a record time of an hour and six minutes. You guys are going, I hope not today. All right, the longest message ever. This is Paul. He's in Troas, and he's preaching. Let's just read it together. On the first day of the week, that's Sunday. Uh, They no longer observe the Sabbath day, but they're meeting on Sunday because it was the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. It was also the day of Pentecost, and so Sunday was their day. 
when we gathered together, I think together needs to be circled there, to break bread. That, that means communion. There's more to it than that, you'll see. Paul talked. He talked. Paul had some things to say, many things to say. He talked with them, intending to depart on the next day because he was heading to Jerusalem. And he prolonged his speech. Underline that. I mean, Luke's just going to be really clear with you. He's going to say it like three times. Like, this guy was long-winded, bro. Like, you know, I remember the day, Paul, like, epic message. This was so long. I mean, people were dropping like flies. Okay, he prolonged his speech until midnight. So if I talk till midnight, let's just say I go till four. Like, half of you are leaving. Like, you're getting up and leaving. These people are so riveted. They're, so, they're like trying to stay awake, right? Uh, matter of fact, this, this kid named Eutychus moves to the window. Um, there were many lamps in the upper room where the, uh, we were gathered. Um, we there is interesting because Luke is with him. This is, uh, he's, is his eyewitness account. And a young man, 7 to 14 years old, that's the Greek word, uh, named uh, Eutychus, uh, that may, means fortunate, although I don't know <laughs> sometimes. Um, sitting at the window, so I don't know whether it was the heat or the length or the fumes in the upper room, but he's sitting in the window, he's trying to get something, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talks still longer. Okay, underline that. I mean, this is a flat-out long message, right? He's just like, keep going, keep going, still longer, still longer, and being overcome. Like, this is, I mean, you nurses that come after your shift, and you roll out at 7 o'clock, and then you come. Like, I see, like, Elizabeth was sitting here right last week, like, and she was just like. (laughs) And I was just like, thank you for coming. I feel so bad for you right now. Hang in there. Hey, go watch online, you know. And, uh, you know, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm so grateful you were here, you know. She's just overcome with sleep. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from a third-story window and was taken up dead. Dead. I mean, we're talking about Luke. He's a physician. Dead means dead. Luke knows, all right? And, uh, but Paul went down and he bent over him and he was taking him in his arms, said, do not be alarmed. Don't be troubled. People may be starting to grieve, the wailing starting. Like, no, 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 it's not like that. Like, just a second. <laughs> Don't be troubled. Don't start the grieving process for his life is in him, as in I just rose him from the dead. This is the resurrection. It's powerful and memorable for sure. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and had eaten, they had these agape love feasts and uh, that's what they did around the breaking of bread. And he conversed with them. I mean, longer, the message became like a dialogue and he was answering questions a little bit there. And uh, he, (laughs) with them, a long while, like underline that, a long while, long while until daybreak actually so five or six so i mean it's like this is six more hours right and so departed and they took the youth alive away alive and were not a little comforted now i want you to know this like some people preach like myself really long-winded and and people think well man they're so selfish right like that's my time they're taking time for me and i just want you to know this about paul and about me as well like i am not being selfish in preaching long 
And uh, Paul, I don't, I don't believe he's being selfish. Like, oh, let me monopolize your time. Like, he is trying to, he loves the church so much. And he's trying to get to them, like, everything in one night, right? Like, he went to Thessalonica and Colossae and, like, Ephesus for three years. And, like, and all in one night, he's like, ah! you know. And this is a memorable moment. Well, I think this is the question you got to ask yourself. Um, what makes this a mes- memorable moment? What makes this a memorable moment in the passage? And what makes this a memorable moment today? That we're all together, right? Like, right now, what makes this a memorable moment? And again, like Brent said, we try to like figure out how can we make it memorable so everybody remembers this day, April 2nd, 2017. Like, you can't manufacture that stuff. But here's some stuff you can do, Right? This is what makes this a memorable moment. Uh, Time being together. They were gathered together. They were together on the first day of the week. That's memorable. Do you remember it's Sunday? Do you remember it's church day? Do you remember it's like, and it's not like that, like it's, well, let's just go check the box. Like it's time to be together, right? Now, think about it. I got these two guys here. One of them's got a phone out, and uh, we're having time together here, boys. Here, I'm just going to just type in my, okay, so let's just have some time together, right? We're together right here. We're together, right? And I'm just checking the score from the game last night. How's that? All right, so uh, this is working out being together. Thanks thanks a lot. I, I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, is that really being together? Like, I'm, I'm a, like, we're in this society, like, this is everything to everybody. I'm thinking about taking a fast from this thing, because I just found myself, like, going to it too often. And it's not really being together, right, if, if, if I'm on the phone and you're just sitting here. Well, this happens from time to time. And I was at the gym this week at Rochester Athletic Club. You ever been there? It's a pretty cool place. And I was there. But the one thing you know when you're at the gym, if you put your stuff in a locker that nobody's around when you get there, when you come back out out of the shower, the guy with the locker next to you will be there. <laughs> Has that happened to anybody? Like every day, right? Like I go in, I find the 12 blanks of lockers that nobody's at. I put my stuff in there. I go work out. I take a shower. I come back. And the guy right beside it is always there. (laughs) Is there like some kind of like demon of locker next to me or something? I don't know. Like it's the weirdest thing. It always happens. So I say to this guy, like, I mean, seriously, it was like 1.30 in the afternoon. There was, I, I could look. There was nobody else in the place. I couldn't see anybody else right beside me. And I say to him, like, this is, has to be some kind of, like, law uh, or something, right? Like, it has to happen. And he goes, yeah, you know. And, uh, and I say, but I, I think this is God's way of getting us to talk to each other. That's what I said to him. His name's John. And what made it a memorable moment, we got into a COD conversation, but not only that, then he replied to me, he found me online and, and sent me an email saying, wasn't that a God moment? And I was like, for sure, right? And uh, I just love that, right? I love that, you know, God creates these moments of time together. Let's put our phone away. Let's like, let's like get together. Let's have some time together. Let's be united together. And, uh, you know, Hope to see John again. I'm sure it will, he'll be there right by my locker again, <laughs> him or somebody else. But, uh, you know, I think the special thing, the memorable thing, is when we're together. 
when we gather together, when we're all fully in, that's when it makes it really memorable. Right? The second thing, truth from God, His Word, His Spirit. Um, you know, it says in here in verse 7 that His speech, right? So He's saying some stuff. And then it says in verse 9 that He talked. He sang some stuff. And, th- and then it says in verse 11 that He conversed. I mean, He's saying some stuff. So what exactly did Paul have to say? None of it recorded. None of it. But if you just want to go off of Paul's example, it was sound doctrine. It was teaching. It was the Word of God. It wasn't anything he had to say. It was only what God had to say through him. That I know about Paul. I mean, the rest of the passage, 17, uh, verses 17 through 38, when we read that, you just think about that. Okay, that's what Paul had to say. Or if you've read any of the epistles lately, That's what God had to say, or that's what Paul had to say. God had to say through Paul. So the truth from God's word, that's what me. You know, there's so many churches that aren't opening their Bible, and they're just like, I have a few, pull out a few note cards here. I got some clever things to say. Like, there's nothing memorable about that. What's memorable is when we open up the word, we, we look at it. This is what it says. This is what it means. This is what it means to me. This is what I'm doing this week about it, right? And that's what's memorable, when it changes my life. Truth from God, that's memorable. And then this, triumph over death. Triumph over death. I mean, verse 9, this kid's dead. Luke is a physician, he knows, right? And then you have uh, this moment where Paul, like Elijah in 1 Kings, and uh, like Elisha in 2 Kings, like where Paul like resurrects this guy from the dead, right? So I, uh, thank you guys. I just happened to take somebody out this week. (laughs) And um, I mean, can you imagine if your son's in a body bag? Can you imagine? Like Eutychus is dead. His mom, he's 7 to 14. His mom's probably there, right? And Paul's like, I got this, right? And he's like, zips it open, right? And he, and he kneels down and he gets him up, right? And he, and, he, and he raises him from the dead. Can you just imagine that? Can you just imagine like that? Thanks, man. Can you imagine what it would be like, right? Going from like, a kid's dead! Woo! Call the whalers, you know? Call the people that are going to cry, He's like, no, 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 don't be troubled. Just a second, just a second. And he, just like Elijah, just like Elisha, he, he embraces the kid. And somehow, through God's power, what a powerful event in making a disciple. This kid's life's changed forever. And he raises him back from the dead. It's just astounding. It's a memorable moment. Triumph over death. This is what Easter is to us. This is, this is why our, we call Easter our Super Bowl, right? We're going to go celebrate the resurrection from the dead. Two weeks. And that's why we're inviting everybody I know, right? That's why on my journal I got, like, invitations. And when I give those away, I put some more on there. It's, just, it's like perma-invite right now. Even more than usual. That's unusual. Why? Because... We have triumph over death. We have 
Jesus Christ, right? I was reading James 1. I just did say that a couple weeks. Yeah, like we're re- reading James. And, uh, you know, in James 1, it says that, uh, you know, we're not drawn away by God, tempted by God, but we're, we're drawn away by our own desires. And desire brings sin, right? And sin brings death. And so I know you have some desires, some selfish desires. I do too. And I got to crucify those, right? Put them right on the cross. I, I know that if you focus on those desires, what I want, what I want in that moment, what I want to do, and what it will make me happy in the next five minutes. Right? We've all been there. We've all fell into that trap. And, and then that's sin. And sin brings death, Right? How are you going to conquer death? How are you going to get one up on death? You can't do it. You've got no power apart from Jesus Christ. Right? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Corinthians 15. Right? Well, the power of death is sin, and the sin is the law, and But the law only came to show us that we're sinners. You can't add up. You can't get there, right? There's a standard and I don't reach it. But knowing that's only half the battle, then that's repentance for God. God, I'm not reaching your standard. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm not reaching your standard. (laughs) Thank you for sending Jesus Christ so that he reached the standard. And I'm I'm in him. I'm I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him. That's kind of how salvation goes. And if you've been taught something different, I just want to relax you and release you from that and just say, hey, we're all sinners. We are all dead. We're all in a body bag. But you can have triumph over death even today. It could be the most memorable day of your life today. When you go, I was once dead in sin, but now I'm alive in Christ. He says that. triumph death cannot hold us then this last thing and I'm going to have the ushers come down we're going to take communion they're just going to pass it out and you can hold the elements and then we'll take it together Um, but I think when you're talking about victory over death this next thing is, is so true transformation by Jesus and they were breaking bread together Were they breaking bread together like three years before that, ten years before that? No. What changed? Jesus. (laughs) Right? Jesus changed the whole game. Jesus changed everything. People weren't breaking bread and drinking juice or wine, you know, before that. Well, they were. It was called the Passover. And then he changed the game. Everything transformed with Jesus. And now I'm just going to turn to Corinthians You don't have to. I'll read it for you. Paul says to the Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. I mean, he knew he was going to the cross. He took bread, and and when he had given thanks, he was thankful that he got to do this for you and me. He broke it, and he said, this is my body. What a, what a prophet. <laughs> this is my body, which is for you. It's broken for you. It's going to be in the next couple hours. This 
do in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant. Like, we have the old covenant, we have the Passover, now we have the new covenant, we have communion. In my blood, right? The new covenant is my blood washes away your sin. You don't have to kill a lamb every month, every year, excuse me. Every year you don't have to kill a lamb. Like, I died, my blood was shed once for all. My blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore, now this is really key, we're going to proclaim the Lord's death. We're going to proclaim, I've been transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But this is a key piece, don't lose this. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So how could I eat and drink in an unworthy manner? I've never turned from my sin. I've never embraced Jesus Christ as my Savior, right? That, that's one way. And then, secondly, he's talking to Christians though, right? So Christians can eat and drink in an unworthy manner too. How, how, how can I do that? Well, this is how you don't judge yourself. You don't think about it. You don't consider it. So the verse says, 28, let a person examine himself. Like you really need to think about it before you take it. You really need to examine yourself and say, where am I at with Jesus Christ right now? Am I following him? Am I a disciple? Is something separating me from the love of Christ? Well, nothing separating you from the love of Christ on his part. It would only be on your part, which is why we examine ourselves. And we're not really pointing at somebody else. Wow, look at that guy. He's so screwed up. I got plenty right here to deal with. You get it? Let a person examine himself. This is the Bible saying this. We are supposed to examine ourselves. Then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And it's more, there's more there. I'm going to stop right there and more to explain it. Um, it's not that you're going to lose your salvation. That never happens. But you need to examine yourself. Where am I at with Christ? Maybe I need to confess some things. Maybe I need to get right with Christ again. We, we know we're right with Christ, right? Positionally, we're going, we're in, I'm living an eternal life already. But we also know I'm asking for a Holy Spirit filling right now. And that can happen with communion when we're prayed up, confessed up, repentant, ready, right? Asking the Holy Spirit now to come again. So maybe we'll just do that, huh? His body broken for us. Okay? His body broken for us. Go ahead. His body broken. His blood spilled for us. It washes our sins away. Past, present, future. Go ahead. His, his blood covers my sins. We do that. And we're free. We're transformed. We're new in Christ. I think of the people in my life 
and how they've changed. I think of Brent, our worship leader, and how he's changed so much from an eighth grade kid <laughs> to a worship leader and a preacher now. And uh, I think of Matt when I first met him and the change in his life. And um, it's just cool to see these memorable moments of transformation by Jesus. This is nothing we could do. This is following Christ. This is a memorable moment. All right, then this, second point, the longest message ever, but then also the last message ever. You know, this passage here, the rest of the passage, I'm not going to preach 13 through 16. It's a travel log. It's a lot of what, you know, just the facts. And you can read that for yourself. But I'm going to read 17 through the end of the chapter. And uh, this is where pastors go to say farewell to their churches. Hey, I'm going to a different church. And I'm going to preach this. Uh, Luckily for us, we're just preaching through Acts. I'm not going anywhere. Um, (laughs) Some of you guys are like, oh, shoot. (laughs) But, but, I'm not going anywhere. So, uh, Lord willing, I'll be here. I'll be your pastor for a long time. A lifetime, hopefully. But let me just read it. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, 30, 30 mile walk, and, uh, and he called to the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I live, circle that, among you for the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials. These are some of the trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. You want to circle that word profitable. And teaching, he was declaring, he was teaching, you in public and from house to house. And testifying, declaring, teaching, testifying. He had some things to say. This is the last message ever. Both to the Jews and to the Greeks. Of repentance towards God, that's the gospel we were talking about and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are two things that happen when you get saved. You repent towards God. God, I'm not enough. He's like, I know. Right? Sin sin has tainted you. And faith in God. But Jesus is enough. He goes, I know. I sent him to rescue you. Right? And now, behold, listen, I am going, you can circle that, to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Well, I'm not going to another city. I'm staying in the country. You know what I mean? I mean, what are you you talking about? Verse 24, But I do not account my life as any value nor precious to myself. That's key. If only I may finish. Circle that. I may finish. I am going and I want to finish my course and the ministry that I received from who? Who do we, we get it from? This isn't like, oh, I just rolled up and thought this is a good idea. Jesus told me. This starts and ends with Jesus. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel is the grace of God towards us. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. This is the last message. You're not going to see me again. This is the last time I'm going to see you. This is the last message I'm preaching, Paul says. This is the last time, elders. I'm not coming back. This is a memorable moment. 
They're pretty riveted now, so he's going to go into it. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of you all. That's uh, Ezekiel 33. Uh, It's a watchman uh, kind of theology and term. You can read it for yourself. I'm innocent. I warned you. Okay, I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves, one, and to all the flock, two, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care, circle, to care, to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. You better care for it, right? Because it's Jesus. (laughs) He bought it with his own blood. He died for this church. And I know, and he knows some things, that after I depart, Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, false teachers. And from among yourselves will rise men speaking twisted things, false teachers, to draw away the disciples after them, inside and outside. Therefore, be alert. Wake up! Remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish. That means to warn you. Every one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. I mean, just just reading that one verse, but the whole passage, right? The last message here to the Ephesian elders, it reads like an epistle. Like that's the only uh, part in Acts where it's like, man, am I reading Ephesians? Am I reading Colossians? Like it reads like an epistle. And I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. I wasn't greedy. You yourselves know that these hands, can you imagine him holding out his hands, ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me? I worked hard. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. I work hard so I have something to help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, this is not quoted in, the principle is, but the exact words are not quoted anywhere in the Gospels. So this is the only time in the Scripture you have a, a, a quote from Jesus that's not in the Gospels. It's pretty cool. Paul's like, this has been passed down. Jesus said this. It's more blessed to give to, than receive. Luke uh, 6.38 is a great parallel. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And and there was much weeping on the part of all and embraced Paul. And he kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This is memorable because it's the last message you're ever going to hear from this guy. Right? And it's memorable. So I just, I just wrote this question down. It's right there in front of you. What makes me a memorable person? Because I want to be like Paul. I want people to weep. I want people to be sad if I'm leaving, right? I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact on people's lives. I don't want to go to the grave and have the, like, yep, he's gone. <laughs> I want him to be like, look at the way he lived. Look at who he followed. <laughs> look at what he taught us. Look at how he gave. So I wrote some things down that are in the text. Um, I had you circle how I live. 
how I live. How did he live? Serving the Lord, declaring, teaching, testifying what is profitable. Here's a verse for that. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God and the woman of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. That's why we're in the Word all the time, because this is profitable. And that's why Paul's in the Word, because it's profitable. He's giving them the gospel. This is gospel living. This is how you do it. This is repentance towards God. This is faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever done that? So this verse, Luke chapter 5, 31 through 32, this is just a picture into what Jesus was doing, how he lived and how Paul lived. And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician. I don't have to raise a guy from the dead if he's great, right? I don't have to bring him back if he's not sick. But those who are sick, those who are sinners, I have not come to call the righteous, or you might say self-righteous, because our righteousness is like filthy rags to God, but sinners to repentance. This repentance towards God and this faith in Jesus Christ is so important. It's so very important. I hope you grab that concept today. That is the moment of salvation. How I live. And then this, who I follow. Who's, who's Paul following? I mean, this is the easiest Sunday school answer ever. Jesus! It's like, can I get candy now? You know? Like, this is like the layup. Paul's following Jesus. I will go. I am going to Jerusalem. Well, Paul, you might get killed. I know I'm going anyway. Why? Because Jesus called me to it. I may finish the course. Why are you finishing, Paul? Give up. You've, you've planted how many churches? Just stop now. No, I'm going to finish. Why? Because Jesus. <laughs> Who am I following? I mean, you just got to think about that, right? Because we just took communion. We're examining ourselves. Just examine yourself. Do this little exercise. Who am I following? Am I following friends? Am I following family, my spouse, my kids? Following them all over creation for their sporting events. Sometimes I feel like that. Like, what am I doing? This is stupid. Am I following the church? It's all I do is what Steve says I do it, right? Well, let's not forget about Jesus. I Hopefully I'm telling you everything Jesus says, but like, like imitate me as I imitate Christ. When I'm not imitating Christ, have a mind of your own and, and do some do a little mental work on this. Have some discernment, right? I'm not perfect. Jesus is perfect. I follow Jesus. I do what he does. I say what he says. I go where he leads. That's what it's all about. That's a memorable person right there. I want to be like that. Next, what I know. What makes a memorable person? What I know. Yeah, I'm a Bible fathead. I know so much. You're going to remember what I leave, how much I knew. Is that what I'm talking about? That is not, to turn to your neighbor and say, that is not what he's talking about, because I detest that. I am not talking about that. I am not talking about that at all, okay? It's not about how much I know. There's a phrase. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Do you get it? People don't care how much you know 
until they know how much you care. And that's Paul. The weeping, the tears, the time together. I mean, he sends for them 30 miles away. Come, I want to be with you one last time. He, he wants to go to Jerusalem. Like, what's he doing? He loves the local church. He loves the leaders of the church. He wants to be a part. 1 Thessalonians 2 will show you this clearly. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother caring, taking care of her own children. Now that's tender. So being affectionately desirous of you. I mean, what is that? I love you so much, right? Being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel, not only the concept that you can repent uh, towards God and, and have faith in Jesus Christ and, and be in eternity with us, that'd be awesome, but also our own selves. I'm not just telling you the concepts. I want to I wanna walk through the process with you. I want to be here when you fall and when you get back up. I want to do life together because you have become very dear to us. You need to know this. We care. The elders of the church care for you. We love you, right? You need to know that. You need to know that. This last thing. When I give, verses 33 through 35, a great example I've shown you how to be generous. I've shown you uh, to be a giver, not a taker, right? I mean, just think about that in your own life right now. Are you a giver or are you a taker? Now, you can do that mental process in life with your spouse, with your kids, with your family, at your job. Are you like, punch, time clock, done, five o'clock? Really? I mean... I understand discipline, but like there's no days that you work past that. You don't even have a desire to do that, like to, to show them what working for Christ even means, right? Like so, you know, slippery slope, but just, just you know, don't be a workaholic either. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> but I'm, I want to be a giver, not a taker. I want to be all in. I don't, my own hands. I worked hard with my own hands so that I would have something to give to you. That's the principle. And that's a memorable person. A memorable person's a giver. A person that gives and gives and gives and gives to their own hurt sometimes. Always giving a word of encouragement, always giving something. I've shown you I've worked hard. It's better to share with others than to keep what you have and then collect more. It's better. I think you get it. This is a memorable service. This is a memorable moment. Um, here's the third point, right? The shortest message ever. I think this might be my shortest message ever, so let's just stop right there. Now, that's a memorable moment in disciple-making, okay? Let's go with that. I want you to uh, just think back on your own journey. Have you ever had a time where you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because that's the time you'll never forget. You know, I know you remember your birthday every year <laughs> and you celebrate, you know, until you get to like 40 and then you're like, eh, no need. <laughs> it's all good. But yet, do you celebrate a spiritual birthday? Do you, do you, do you have a memorable moment or maybe two or three, 
where God's just done something really cool in your life. And uh, that's kind of what we're talking about. Those are the things that will be written down in your life someday. These are the things that were written down about Paul and about the gospel going forward. These were memorable moments in the life of disciple making. And uh, I pray that you'll have some too. Now, I would just say this. You could have a memorable moment today. Right? Now, I understand it depends on God to open your eyes to see. But I also understand that his grace activates your faith. So it's going to take something on your part too. To say, yeah, I'm in. And so if you're a sinner, repentance towards God, we all are, right? I, I fall short. Repentance towards God and then a faith in Jesus Christ is the payment for that sin. And then living in that victory, that triumph over death that we have and transforming by Jesus Christ. That's what we're really going for. Maybe that's you. Make a decision. It's not memorable if you get up and walk out. It's memorable if you like make a decision and do something with what we've talked about today. Does that make sense? Let's pray. God, thanks for these people. Thanks that they're here. It's memorable to me. It's memorable that they come and listen and hear. And I pray that you'll work in their life in such a memorable way right now. Nothing I could say, nothing I could do, but Holy Spirit, would you just pierce them? Help them know where they're wrong and how you want to make it right for your honor and glory. May they embrace it. May they have faith to see it. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.